Hello, I'm Mark Bassingthwaite, the risk manager here at Alps, and welcome to another episode of Alps in Brief, the podcast that comes to you from the historic Florence building in beautiful downtown Missoula, Montana. Okay, today it's just me, and uh, we're going to talk about managing cybercrime risks and really looking at at the whys behind what it does in in terms of uh, obtaining cyber liability insurance. And I really want to dig into this a little deeper. Um, I still get a lot of questions about insurance, what it does, what it doesn't do, and is it necessary? And I just, the list goes on and on and on. So that's hit that topic. Before we jump into sort of some of the specifics of, of using insurance to manage your risk. Um, I, I want to kind of set the stage again. I always start my cyber programs with, with some information. Uh, let's look at headlines from 2022. In 2022, 255 million phishing attacks occurred in just six months. Now, this is uh, a report uh, done by Slashnext, uh, and they analyzed billions of link-based URLs, attachments, natural language messages, and email, mobile, and browser channels over six months, and that's what they found. Uh, and that's a 61% increase in phishing attacks uh, compared to 2021. Uh, that, that's, that's pretty significant. Uh, they also recorded a 50% increase in attacks on mobile devices, mobile, excuse me, mobile devices. And I really ask that you, you pay attention and, and try to appreciate the significance of that. Cyber criminals really are moving their attacks to mobile and personal communication channels to reach employees, you know, um, the, the big attacks right now are, are scams and credential theft. You know, sort of the, 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 the top of the list or the, the, uh, the desired outcome with these mobile attacks. Uh, and a lot of this will be uh, phishing and smishing, you know, using SMS text messaging as the attack avenue for a, a phishing attack, if you will. Smishing is, is combining SMS and the word phishing. So that, that's how you get to that. Uh, the FBI has reported that cyber criminals are tampering with QR codes in an attempt to steal victim funds. Um, a lot of people will say, well, you know, I'm really not going to be that uh, exposed to this stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's how, how frequently is this, is this all this going on? I, I got to tell you, it's getting a little crazy out there. Remember, QR codes are these differences during the, uh, uh, the pandemic. You know, particularly as things start to open back up and you go out to restaurants and instead of handing you a menu, they'd have that little QR code, you know, a little box that has all the dots and dashes and, and little squares and things in it, you know, and, you know, you would scan that and it would take you to the menu or a web page. Well, you know, a lot of these can be faked. You know, people will just create a QR code and st- sticker and put it over, you know, think it a parking lot, um, you know, and you, you go to scan something to pay your bill, your parking fee. And uh, if you're misdirected to a site that looks like, you know, the, the site that you would expect to pay your, 
your parking bill for the evening, uh, but it's not. You've just turned over your your uh, account information to to somebody that doesn't have your best interest in mind. I, we've seen it in uh, you know, parking tickets. Uh, they're creating fake parking tickets, and uh, you know, again, it'll have the, the local parking authority logo and the little yellow envelope, and it's, they stick it on your windshield, you know. And uh, again, you know, oh, good lord, I got a parking ticket. And they make it very convenient, you know, scan the code, pay your It's not real. So um, we got to be careful. We're even seeing uh, QR codes being sent uh, via email, sort of pretending to be a, a multi-factor authentication process. And uh, the emails may even mimic corporate logos, uh, law firm logos, it could be anything. And, uh, you know, people are falling prey to this. So it's just another sort of crazy, unusual attack vector that a lot of folks out there really aren't aware of. There's also a report that 79 million malicious domains were flagged in the first half of 2022. Please understand what that means. 79 million sort of fake websites, banks, could be anything, anything at all. And again, they're, they're going to look very, very similar to the real thing. You know, that's 79 million opportunities for anyone at your firm, you or any other employee uh, or attorney practicing at your firm. Uh, it's just an opportunity for them to, to do something innocently, naively, uh, but just, you know, it, it's, it's just getting scammed, getting taken advantage of. So the final thing I'll throw at you here in 2022, the ABA Legal Technology Survey uh, results uh, reported that 27% of participating law firms reported experiencing a data breach of some kind. You know, so I, I try to share all this to, to get your attention, okay? Because we need to always remember that IT support isn't the last line of defense. You and whoever else has access to your office network is the last line of defense. And this has consequences. I mean, it really does. The consequences, um, you know, you really need to care because as a lawyer, you are a valuable target, um, particularly those of you who practice in the solo and small firm space. And I know a lot of lawyers don't believe that. Um, they just think we're not going to be on anybody's radar. You know, it's a rural practice as an example. Well, you know, come on. There is no such thing as rural on the Internet. Um, and you're considered in the solo small firm space sort of the low-hanging fruit because uh, you know the, the, the cyber criminals know that uh, you don't have typically the financial wherewithal and oftentimes the um, deep understanding of, of everything that could be done. Um, you know, I think the financial wherewithal piece is probably the bigger piece because you, you just can't throw the same kind of money that a company like Microsoft does around their, their cloud, uh, protecting your data there as an example. So uh, you're sooner, sort of viewed as the low-hanging fruit. And you really need to care because, you know, I got to tell you, it's only a matter of time, you know. Um, 
Robert Mueller, if you remember, the former director of the FBI, famously said, there are only two types of companies, those that have been hacked and those that will be hacked. But almost actually at the time he said that, it, that, that kind of statement was out of, out of date. It really should be something more like there are only two types of companies, those that have been hacked and those that don't know they've been hacked. I mean, that's not... I'm not trying to be melodramatic about it. I, I'm just sharing. It, it's, it's, it's not if. It really is when. Okay? So now this presentation really isn't about all the things that you can do to prevent becoming a victim. Um, you know, I have lots of other materials, podcasts. CLEs, webinars, all sorts of stuff that, that, that can go there. I will share that there is a checklist, a cybersecurity checklist available if, if you have any interest on our uh, website. Just go to the home page and under resources, scroll down a little bit, and you'll see sample forms and checklists. Check there and you'll go in and, and there'll be another link to checklist and the cybersecurity checklist is there. And I, that, that might be useful to you. But I do want to discuss the risk associated with not being proactive with your cybersecurity efforts. Um, and just as an aside, uh, this really, in terms of cybersecurity uh, um, proactive efforts, that really does need to include social engineering awareness training, even if you're just a true solo and it's you. You need to stay abreast of what's happening. So um, I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Some of the risks your firm faces by someone, anyone at your firm, not doing their part. You know, this, this really is uh, an all hands on, on deck kind of situation. Well, let me just read some of the things that can go wrong, you know, in terms of, uh, of the types of risk. I and mean, here we're sort of talking about the, the legal and financial risks, but, you know, there's legal liability to others, you know, employees, clients, uh, third parties for loss, theft or an unauthorized disclosure of personally identifiable information. And there may be legal liability for the theft of client funds. You know, think wire fraud as our business email compromise, uh, you know, being tricked and scammed into sending typically larger sums of money to, you know, the wrong bank and just a cyber criminal. Uh, legal liability for the theft or loss of third-party corporate information being subject to regulatory action uh, for the failure to comply with state breach notification laws, having to cover the costs of responding to and recovering from a breach, damage to your reputation, you know, loss of revenue uh, due to a breach. You know, they, these are things to take pretty seriously. I mean, th this can get crazy fairly quickly. I would encourage you to pay attention to this, uh, the typical talk costs of a network breach for small businesses is currently around 200,000. Um, and I will share that device theft, you know, think, think a smartphone, uh, uh, jump drives, um, laptops, et cetera. Um, you know, so device theft of, of these mobile types of things, wire fraud and ransomware are really common problems we see uh, for law firms in terms of, of the lawyers that uh, and the firms that we insure. So as an aside, and just again, kind of keep your attention uh, in play here, um, there could be a coverage problem 
Uh, think about, you know, a lot of lawyers have fallen prey to various types of financial fraud, uh, but that's, that's just talk about this in the context of wire fraud, you know, it's being tricked into um, sending money to uh, the wrong bank because a routing number has been changed and you weren't aware that that uh, a change occurred and didn't do anything to try to, to catch it. And lawyers will immediately call in and say, this is malpractice. I got to file a claim. Well, well, mm. I'm not so sure that that's the case. You know, theft of funds is a property loss. And malpractice actually doesn't cover property losses. Uh, so um, wire fraud, theft of funds it can be, uh, in many instances, an uncovered loss if the only way you're trying to insure for that is through a uh, malpractice policy read your policy uh you know this is not unique to alps okay um carry if, if it's these policies weren't intended or designed to, to cover cyber crime um now we'll, we'll we'll explore that a little bit more here in a bit but uh generally i mean that's that's not the purpose behind it, it's really to cover you for professional negligence uh, in, in the practice of law. So, okay. Now, let's talk about the fallout. So let's assume, uh, knock on wood, that this never happens, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, that there is some type of breach. And I'm not talking about wire fraud here. I'm talking about a data breach so that someone really is in the system okay what what does that mean how does this play well you need to understand we're going to start if you will with with the response and system recovery so um someone needs to come in you know typically a, a forensic team, uh, IT forensic team, uh, that typically is not your IT support. You know, these folks typically know a great deal about how to protect you, but often don't have the skill set to do the forensic piece uh, once there is a breach. That's, that's a different group. So uh, they're going to come in and they need to understand the breach, try to figure out what happened and uh, terminate it if, if they're still if it's still going on. Uh, you know, there may be things, uh, programs, uh, have encrypted your system, and as you try to clean that up, may still be there, and that can encrypt again. You know, so the, the, they they have to terminate, try to clean up. You know, um, and, and this team is going to try to figure out, you know, the who, the what, the when, where, the how. You know, really understand. Well, while all this is going on, you know, you don't have access to your network, right? Um, they need to image typically the entire network. And that's something that doesn't happen, you know, the preserving the, uh, the evidence uh, of, of the crime and it helps them evaluate and understand. So that doesn't happen in, you know, half an hour. Um, so you're not going to have access to your systems and your data while this is going on. Now, how long can that take? Uh, it depends on the type of breach and what's going on. Um, you know, if it's just a, a lost laptop uh, that had some passwords on it, you know, they could probably do a remote kill and uh, try to evaluate was that uh, laptop and any passwords used to access uh, the network. 
you know, so that 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 may be relatively brief, uh, but if there is a major ransomware attack, uh, as an example, when everything's encrypted, um, it, it could be days to even several weeks. Uh, it just depends. So, um, but we need to think through that, you know, and and how would that impact your practice? Uh, some, you know, it may not be too bad others it, it could really be a pretty devastating event um but then you also so once all that's done you understand okay we man, they're starting to build the system back who we're going to get through this okay it's still not over right you know every jurisdiction in the united states has uh, their own unique breach notification uh, law and you need to com- comply with these and you need to understand too what states are in play? It's not about, well, I, I practice here in Florida and that's, that's it. Um, if in your um, database, there's information from clients and third parties and uh, just the list goes on and on of people in multiple surrounding states, you may have to comply with those state breach notification laws as well. Um, Typically, there's some cost of notifying all the people that have been impacted by this, uh, the cost of compliance. Do you want to pay for credit monitoring? Uh, and, and the list just goes on and on, you know, reputation management, et cetera. Um, this can get expensive. So that can be managed, obviously. But I, I want you to, to hear and understand a breach can be significant. It's not just the loss of money, uh, whether that's a ransomware payment or wire fraud. There, there's lots of other things that can go on. And you need to think about, you know, um, there's all kinds of information in your files. Um, you know, it, it's there's just gobs of information out there. Um, so that's, again, don't minimize uh, the, the, uh, the, the consequences of a data breach. Okay? Now, the good news, of course, and where, we, uh, where I said I'd, I'd go with this was that you can manage this risk uh, with the purchase of a cyber liability insurance policy. And, of course, I would always couple that with um, following through on cybersecurity best practices. You don't get a reference to a lot of things in that checklist. You know, there are other proactive things you can do, um, making sure that there's uh, robust security software running on all the mobile devices uh, at work uh, or anything that used for work. Uh, again, so work from home folks, if they're using personal devices, you know, we need to protect these things. But, you know, uh, but let's focus on this insurance piece. Um, okay. At the outset, you know, I do want to share that the purchase of cyber insurance, depending on how much uh, coverage you'd like, uh, the type of coverage you're looking for, uh, how big your firm is, um, these, this discussion, sort of tangential discussion on security best practices, getting back to that checklist, uh, um, is important because an insurer uh, may make it a requirement that you do certain things. Uh, you may have to have multi-factor authentication 
in play. Um, They're just going to be looking and asking questions about, you know, what is your security posture? What what steps have you taken? What processes uh, are are in play? Do you use out-of-band communications as an example to verify the accuracy of all wiring instructions prior to wiring funds? so there are a variety of things uh, that, that, that can be important here, okay? So the accuracy of the information you provide in terms of the application going through the process is going to be very, very important. You don't mislead. Don't lie. Say, well, I know this is what they want to hear. This is what they want us to do, and, and we, we try, but, you know, it, this is our intent. Uh, you know, if post breach and Assure learns that you, in fact, weren't doing all you said you were doing on the prevention front, you may have a serious, serious coverage problem. So uh, I, I do want to, to focus uh, here just a, a side moment on, on these security best practices. Okay. Um, that can be very, very uh, significant. But what, what, Basically, does cyber liability insurance provide? What do you get for your your premium dollar? Okay, it's really looking at providing coverage for the type of losses I had talked about a bit. Um, Commonly, you're going to see these uh, policies cover um, business interruption as an example, you know, so that would be covering the loss of income and forensic expenses sustained during the period of restoration after the breach. Um, now that coverage may be contingent upon a short waiting period. Uh, media liability, you know, so that's things like copyright or trademark infringement, malicious defacement of a website and liable. Um, data recovery, you know, so we're talking about the reasonable and necessary costs incurred in order to regain access to, replace, or restore data, or the reasonable and necessary costs incurred in order to determine that the data cannot be accessed, replaced, or restored. You know, so that's, I think ransomware is an example, and then sometimes you can't, you might even pay for a decryption key and doesn't do much, or you might have been impacted with a uh, wiperware, and your data's just been erased and destroyed. So, you know, there's some costs in terms of trying to figure out what can we get back, and, and is it is it doable? Uh, privacy breach response, you know, so that's the expenses associated with complying with relevant breach notification laws. We had talked about that. Uh, look for a policy that includes coverage for the cost of privacy counsel forensic investigators, and notification and credit monitoring services. It will also provide typically, you know, again, data and network liability. Now, these are the damages and expenses related to claims resulting from a breach of data in your control or a third party and damages and expenses resulting from a security breach. Examples of a security breach would include, you know, unauthorized access or use of network resources, a denial of service attack, 
an insertion of malicious code. If somebody downloads something and it's maybe a keylogger and just tracking what's going on on your, on your uh, network. And the transmission of malicious code from your network. So someone's using your uh, network to harm somebody else. Uh, crisis management, you know, this is uh, the expense associated with bringing in outside experts to investigate uh, the incident and fix the problem. And with some policies can include the cost of public relations or uh, public relations consultant, excuse me, a cyber extortion. And now this is the expense associated with investigations and paying for the return of or gaining back ex access to data. Now, one thing to be aware with cyber extortion, it is pretty common in the uh, cyber insurance uh, space that um, you need permission in advance from the insurer to, to make that ransom payment. Uh, it has to do with um, regulations that, you know, monies can't be paid to nation states and you know, so there's there's some. Uh, you, know, you, you don't want to pay the uh, the Iraqis, as an example. Uh, you know, they're, they're they're military and and they're very involved in ransomware. So um, there, there's some issues there. But um, I'm just making aware of that little side note. But typically, money is available uh, to, in terms of reimbursement. Uh, fraudulent instruction. You know, this is a loss resulting from the transfer of funds after uh, relying in good faith on an instruction that was a misrepresentation of a material fact. Now, again, coverage may be contingent upon an out-of-band communication taking place. Again, if you're not familiar, again, an out-of-band communication is, well, that, let's say that the, the wire fraud instructions come via fax. So that's the inbound communication channel. An out-of-band communication channel means we change the communication channel for an outbound communication in an attempt to verify the accuracy of the information that was received in the inbound communication. So incoming facts, wire instructions. I pick up the phone with a previously verified number uh, from the uh, whoever sent the facts and I will read the information, you know, hey, Sue, I just want to verify, thanks for sending over the facts, got everything. Is this information correct? Because these things can and have been and will continue to be intercepted and, and changed. Um, you know, so um, if a call comes in, it could be a deep fake, deep fake audio. And I'm telling you, folks, this has happened. Um, you're not talking to who you think you're talking to. And, uh, you know, so you have the information. So use a different communication channel to reach back out and confirm. That's an out-of-band communication. That's what we mean by that. Uh, some other uh, benefits from cyber liability insurance uh, can cover regulatory events and penalties. Now, these are the expenses and penalties an insured is obligated to pay as a result of a regulatory proceeding that arose due to a data or security beat. My tongue is just getting twisted today, uh, a security breach. And finally, um, payment card liabilities. You know, so it might be PCI fines, you know, in the payment card industry, PCI fines, costs, expenses, uh, and insured is legally obligated to pay as a result of a data or security breach. So these are some of the common coverages you will typically find uh, in a cyber liability policy. Um, 
and you know that's again that's that's some pretty thorough stuff and can really help you manage the risks and, and get through this uh, in the in, again the event that, that there is a significant uh, data breach of some type now a few things to to keep in mind and just be aware of there are going to be exclusions uh, for war and state-sponsored state attacks. Um, I would think that wouldn't be much of a surprise, but, you know, the current Russia-Ukraine war is one um, obvious example as to why, you know, not Petya, um, which was, um, it looked like ransomware. Um, it Russia released it into the wild prior to the, onset of the war um but leading up to it and attempt to really do some serious damage uh, in ukraine but it, it just spread and went global and and that not pet it was what we call wiperware it looks like ransomware sort of acts like ransomware uh, but it's the intent is not to um hold your data ransom for some payment the intent is to wipe your data, just get rid of everything. Uh, it's, uh, it, that, that's not good. <laughs> and it is nasty, nasty stuff. So um, also be aware that these policies cover data. Okay? They don't cover hardware. You know, if, if you have a lightning strike and your, you know, your servers just, toast a cyber liability policy isn't going to respond you know that that would be something you'd cover under your general insurance or your, your your business owner's policy or your commercial package whatever that might be so um some common exclusions just to be aware of breaches that occurred prior to the effective date of the policy um now there's there's a growing move in this space to kind of be a little more liberal with that in terms of the, this insurance space because it's just very difficult to try to, to figure out when these things occur. But if you are breached and you know it and you come and buy a cyber liability policy, you know, don't, you know, that, the house is already on fire. That, that's not going to work. You, you, you would have to have absolutely no idea that a breach occurred because sometimes these um, people can be in your system for months and sometimes even a year or more. Um, that's just the way it is. So uh, insider attacks. If somebody in your employer or another uh, attorney in, in the firm just makes some bad decisions for whatever reason and uh, does a lot of damage, you know, again, insider attack, that, that's not going to be covered. Um, and some policies, now, think about what I'm about to share here. Uh, phishing scams are often not covered or may be subject to a sub limit. And really what that's talking about and getting to is yet again, wire fraud, business email compromise. It's, it's the loss of funds. Um, other examples might be, you know, someone's tricked into buying a bunch of gift cards to, to pay something, uh, turning over credit card information. Um, 
You might ask if there's a social engineering endorsement available that might uh, pull some of this back in. Uh, and again, if there is coverage under the policy, typically it's a sublimit and it's not going to be as high as the uh, general limits of the overall cyber liability coverage that you might purchase. You know, so for example, let's say you buy $250,000 in, in coverage, um, the sublimit on um, these kinds of theft of funds um, might be just 10% of that, so 25 grand. Um, you could also look at um, buying, uh, you know, getting some coverage under a crime policy. And that's probably the, the most effective way uh, to, to try to get this covered. But, you know, every carry is going to be different. I'll come back to that here in a moment. Uh, also, an attack resulting from a failure to correct a known vulnerability. You know, so if you are continuing to use outdated systems, you know, because, hey, Windows 8 still works wonderfully, even though you know that it's no longer supported and there's no security patches and upware, you know, if the result, uh, as a result of that, you know, you're not keeping systems current and patched and, and, and there's a breach, mm -mm. you know, if, if, you're, if you're using unpatched systems, outdated systems that that may void coverage for, for anything. So um, you need to just be aware, okay? Um, there are different types, different ways, I guess, I, uh, to say to get into this. Um, a lot of malpractice carriers have uh, what I would say um, – an add-on, uh, you know, it, it, it's sort of an part. It, 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 maybe the best way to say it is, is, is some type of cyber endorsement to a malpractice policy. And, uh, you know, that, that's not bad. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, it's better than nothing. But understand these, these endorsements, these add-ons often come with uh, lower limits and uh, uh, less broad coverage. Um, you know, and, and part of the reason that that's the case, it's, it's due to limited uh, and at times even no underwriting uh, being involved in that cyber insurance piece. You know, it's just, you can, you can opt in. Sometimes it just is automatically there depending on um, the carrier, you know, so, you know, again, I, I like that it's, it's important to have some type of separate coverage, but um, I need you to understand if you're not really reading these policies, these endorsements, uh, and really understanding uh, what they do and don't do, um, you might be running with some assumptions. You know, I really prefer to see... Um, a freestanding cyber policy, you know, and I, you know, just as an aside real quick, I, I shared that this add on and the, the uh, automatic, if you will, endorsement um, is, is in some malpractice policies. You will also see that at times in some business owner package policies as well. Um, but again, it's the, the same issue is in play. It, it's, it's not as a steer, um, just not as broad um, limits aren't going to be as high. So I, I would encourage you to, to look at standalone coverage. Um, you know, how much, boy, phew, that is a tough one. 
um, I would say in the solo and small firm space, I would want to, at a minimum, be looking at a quarter to half a million um, and understanding that we're talking about the expenses and consequences of a data breach as opposed to theft of funds. You know, I'm going to look at theft of funds uh, perhaps at a higher amount uh, separately, just depending on how much money you're moving through your accounts. And also, just as an aside, some of the cyber policies, they will cover the, even the standalone policies will cover theft of your funds, but not theft of client funds. So if money is accidentally wired, you know, firm money wired to a wrong vendor making a payment or some sort out of the operating account, okay, cyber will cover that. You wire 850,000 client funds out, the cyber policy may not cover that at all. Uh, so you really need to ask and look into this. Um, and it's, again, another reason to, to look at, at cyber, or I'm sorry, uh, crime and uh, policy or a crime endorsement and see what you can do there. Um, you may need to have several different policies in play even to, to get to this total uh, that whatever you're, you're, you're looking at. So, um, you know, if you can get to a million, even better. It's, but again, I, I don't know enough about your individual practices uh, and, and firms in terms of you know, how valuable is the data, you know, what, how much do we have here? You know, it's, uh, that's something you're going to have to maybe talk with uh, an underwriter or um, uh, marketing person with uh, business development person uh, with your insurers to, to, to really get some, some uh, better ideas of what to do there. The, the final thing I want to throw at you is just know that these policies differ at times substantially between insurers. Um, so it, it, it's worth at times shopping the market a little bit. Um, prices are, can be quite variable as well. Uh, now, a lot of the variability goes with, um, you know, just what coverage is being offered. You know, if, if you have a policy that's going to cover your money, and client money, as an example, that's going to be more expensive than a policy that doesn't cover any loss of funds. So in terms of wire fraud and, and these phishing scams, you know, so again, you have to make sure you're comparing apples to apples. Okay. Um, but know that this is a very dynamic market uh, relative to, you know, like life insurance and, and lots of other, you know, they've been around for, decades and decades. This is new stuff. And the risks are changing almost daily. It's very difficult for an insurer to, to really understand, you know, what their exposure is going to look like two or three years down the road based on, you know, what they, what the risk analysis is today. Um, you know, it just, who knows? AI as an example, how is this going to change things? How significant will deep fakes become? They are already in play. So please, you know, but can you, I'm just trying to share, can you appreciate how challenging it is? An insurer has to set premium on an unknown risk. 
uh, events changing and evolving very quickly. So that's why you will experience and, and see great differences, perhaps, in coverage, differences in premium, et cetera. So it's really worth uh, sitting down and, and talking uh, with, with someone about um, about how to move forward and what might be uh, best for your situation. So that's that's really all I have uh, on on cyber liability. Uh, I hope you found something of value, uh, and I, I hope you know. I, I, I like at times to go back and say, you know, what are the takeaways here? And I, you know, the, the biggest takeaway for me, uh, if I'm sitting in your shoes, if you already have not done so. I strongly encourage you to to consider adding cyber liability insurance to your insurance portfolio. It's in my mind. I, I just honestly have seen too much, and um, you know, I, I truthfully can say I've been involved post breach uh, with a, a number of firms in a number of different situations, um, and more than a few really never recovered. Um, the, the financial hit was just too much. And that, that was that. So uh, I, 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 I want to make sure, my hope is that you hear uh, that, you know, that there's some learning uh, that we can uh, obtain uh, from the uh, experiences of others. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, again, I'm Mark Bassingthwaite. If you ever have uh, a need, desire, concern that you want to talk about, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, my email is mbass, M-B-A-S-S, at Alps Insurance, A-L-P-S Insurance, one word, alpsinsurance.com. You do not need to be an insured to visit with me. There's no cost. You know, I'm hired to be a risk manager for the bar at large. I'm hired to be your risk manager. So if there's ever anything I can do on cybersecurity, explaining insurance, a lot of lawyers have questions about legal malpractice insurance and other types of coverage, happy to talk. Ethics, malpractice avoidance, uh, practice, whatever. I'm here. That's it. Bye-bye, all.